Welcome to Broad Ideas. Hello. 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 Thank you, Rob. I was worried you weren't going to say anything. Today, huge fan, okay? Like, totally geeked out. I'm a huge Top Chef fan, fanatic. Me too. This was my favorite guest so far. I'm a big fan of Kristen. I am too. So Kristen Kish is on with us today. She was the Top Chef winner of season 10 of Top Chef. Not only did she win Top Chef, she fought her ass through Last Chance Kitchen and won the whole thing. Badass, okay? She has other shows out now. I'm, she's on the new Iron Chef on Netflix. Yep, with Alton Brown. Are we going to do a field trip to go eat her food? We should, yeah. Yeah, so she has a restaurant in Austin. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Not only is she on Iron Chef, but also season two of Fast Foodies. I'm a huge fast food junkie, and I couldn't be more thrilled by this show. And season two is also out on True TV and HBO Max. She's just kicking ass all around, and I am so thrilled to talk to her. Without further ado, let's bring in the beautiful, the talented, the amazing Kristen Kish. Sometimes when the world feels insane, you can take a little peek inside of Rachel's little brain. All these thoughts are swirling round and round inside. To join us on this journey as we take a little ride. We'll talk about dogs and kids and things. We'll talk about chicks and tampon strings. We'll talk about boys that make you cry. We'll talk about death because people die. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I am so excited to meet you. So I have to tell you, obviously, I'm a huge, you know, Top Chef fan. And you were my favorite of all time. Any season, any chef, you were so badass. And I just, I just loved you. And I, I get starstruck more by like meeting you than if Brad Pitt was on the screen. Well, I will, I'm going to take that. Whether whether that was true or not, I'm going to happily accept that. (laughs) No, no, for real. Because I'm just so, I'm so much more impressed with what you do and what you did and the competitiveness and everything else. And I'm just such a huge fan. So thank you. I have to say thank you very much. Yeah. Wait, so do you guys cook? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you like by the way, Kristen Kish is here with us today. This is Olivia, my best friend. Um yeah. Sorry. I just get I was too excited. I got right into it. (laughs) Um but yeah, saying I cook to you is like, you know. Yeah, but you did Spatchcock, is that how you call it? Spatchcock, a chicken last night. I did my first spatchcock. She did. Yep. (laughs) I am de-virginized by the cock. The spatchcock. (laughs) I did it last night for the first time. It was horrifying. Because like, normally I ask the butcher at the market to do it for me. Because like, I'm like, I'm not getting in there. But I did. I got some shears out. Snapped the backbone. It was so gnarly. I was like, oh God, don't throw up. (laughs) So so you don't have a problem dealing with like, you know, there's some people that love to cook, but they don't like to touch raw chicken. Like it kind of grosses people out. That's me. It's definitely gross. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And this one was like a super, you know, well-raised chicken that still had feathers and like plucking those off. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Well done. I mean, you know what? It was a big, it was a (laughs) big moment for me because it was disgusting. But I was very proud that I did it because I was determined. I'm like, 
there's this one chicken dish that I really love. And the only way to do it is if it's spatchcocked. So Where I, now I have to know what the chicken dish is. So it's like a paprika rubbed type deal. It was Allison Roman is her name. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's her yep. it's her thing. And it's like fennel and hot paprika, smoked paprika, olive oil, garlic, pepper. Well, anyway, you make the rub and you just get it all up in there. That's amazing. Did you say lemon? And well, yeah, lemon is around the chicken. And you also put the rub <laughs> on the lemon. It's like yeah. super involved. You really like, you really get close with the chicken during the process. Well, I'm proud of you. Thank I'm you. She cooks a lot. We both cook. We're both parents. So we yeah. both cook a lot of We have to feed food, our kids. You know? Keep them alive. Yeah. yeah. Barely. But, she you know. <laughs> takes it up a notch. Well, you do. That's awesome. You care about well, I do. I do love it because it's like therapeutic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If, Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not always the most therapeutic. And I always say like, you can love cooking. It's what you do for your job, in my case, or something you have to do for your kids or something you enjoy, but you don't have to love it all the time. Right. Right. So you don't love it all the time. No, there's some (laughs) days where I don't want to do my job, right? Right. Just like anyone else in the world. So cooking is my job. Yeah, 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 for sure. It was funny the other day because my kids just had COVID. They're okay now and mm. everything. But I was on the phone with one of our friends and I was like, I got to go make them dinner. And she was like, make it sexual. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> I'm like pulling cold chicken off of a carcass. Like there is nothing sexual about that. Make it sexual. That's what she said. And I was like, uh, this is not sexy. <laughs> Is, is food ever sexual to you guys? Wait, I'm, more, I'm more confused by someone said to you while you were making dinner for your children to make it sexual. It was Jennifer or Vega. Oh, that makes she, Everything sense. is divine feminine. And I was like, yo, this is cold chicken from a store-bought rotisserie chicken. <laughs> well, I mean, depending on any which way you can look at food, I feel like the same verbs and or adjectives that you describe cooking can often be described in sex as well. Like it's right. just, they kind of are synonymous with one another. Yeah. Sometimes it can be cold. Or and- wet. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you don't want to do it. I don't know. Right? <laughs> it all tracks. It all works. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So, and I recently got familiar with your fast foodie show, which mm-hmm. by the way, I mean, first of all, I love shitty food. So this show is like really speaking to my sweet spot. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm in my brain. I'm like, I have to come on this show. You know, I'm like, I need to do this. And I'm like, but what would I do? And then I realized I'm sure you've done like probably everything at this point. Yeah. But you know, what's crazy about season two is that crazy wasn't the right word interesting is that we've broadened our horizons regarding what fast food is. And I think as it Mm. should be, right? Fast food doesn't have to be McDonald's, Taco Bell, Arby's, that kind of stuff. It also is Shake Shack. It's um, fast casual. I mean, we we would have run out of restaurants to do in the first season if it was only, you know, fast food. But um, yeah, we opened it up to like fast casual or things that people get on a road trip and things that are incredibly regional, perhaps to where they grew up. So yeah, you could bring anything and we could spin it to be a fast food. So it's fine. Got it. That's okay. Good to know. Yeah, because I was really racking my brain. You both could come on, bring two different things, and oh. then we do a mashup of something because we have something similar oh. like that in this season. Really? Ooh, a mashup. Because yeah. we did spend yeah. a good amount of time last night talking about what those things would be, but mm-hmm. that's what we do. Anyway. All we, we do is talk about yeah. food. <laughs> it, it literally is like, okay, but then... 
but I want the, the extra thing with sauce, the bread with the and, no, the... and then we get it and we, yeah. like, we go into detail and we're real. it's like, are we 80? Are we just really lame? <laughs> <laughs> so wait, can I ask you what the first reaction of dishes that you would potentially bring? Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah. we already talked about it. Yeah. We both actually said Jack in the Box spicy crispy chicken sandwich. Yep. Mm. You've done it. We have. Okay. Dip Virgin ranch. Yeah. Oh, oh, ranch. Yes. yes. Dude. Yes. Thank you. But yeah. also yeah. ranch is very particular. Yes. Like when you get really good ranch, like Island's fries with ranch, like I'm a big fan. Do you know, do you have, do you know Island's that chain? It might just be a West Coast. I thing. don't. Oh, we could do Island's. We could do Island's. It does but I don't like their food. Pants, I, yeah, I just like their fries <laughs> with ranch. I don't know what dish I would pick. Anyway. Okay. So we did Jack in the Box and you were, you went Taco Bell, which I know you've covered. Crispy taco, bean and cheese burrito, no onions, extra red sauce. Oh, I like it. Specific. Yeah. Okay. But what's yep. yours? Have you ever had to do yours? No, they don't let us do that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not about us. We're just there to create the vehicle in which the food is served. Right. Um, you know, I grew up in Michigan. So Arby's and chicken fingers oh. and just fried chicken in general is like my jam and the curly yeah. fries. But now as a relative adult, I like Shake Shack. Yeah. I feel yeah. slightly better about myself. I also like what they stand for. And Danny Meyer has created as fast food chains and Empire and all that stuff. So for a multitude of different reasons, not just flavor, Shake Shack is definitely high up on my list. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I feel like I need to eat more of that. It's really good. I love a Shake Shack mm-hmm. situation. Also in mm-hmm. Arby's, just the roast beef with ketchup and I'm straight. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Ketchup? Yes. No cheddar. I like ketchup with my Arby's. Okay. okay. I know. I'm down. Listen, I know. You guys could both be, I mean, the Islands Jam situation yeah. you could yeah. bring, um, Jack in the Box. And you could do the Arby's with ketchup and we could make something pretty magical. I'm yeah. super happy. What with about that. like top ramen? Like, is that a fast food? Sure. I would constitute that as fast food because fast food is just simply fast food. Right. Like cup right? of noodles. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, listen. Yeah. It's like endless. This is too exciting for me. Where <laughs> it's like all day I'm like spitting while this. I talk because I'm like so excited about this. But so you brought up something interesting about Shake Shack. How do you feel about Chick-fil-A? I don't like it. Because of of what they stand for. Right. And Justin and I, I, on the first season, first day of filming, we were like, you know what? Chick-fil-A is off the table. We're not doing it. We don't like it. Period. End story. And everyone was like, great. No Chick-fil-A. So, yeah. I mean, so, so much about food is not only just how it tastes, but about where it comes from and who is behind it and mm-hmm. different things like supporting the right places and doing the right thing. And Chick-fil-A is off the table. Yeah. You know, I really struggle with that personally Mm -hmm. because growing up, my family in Tennessee, and when we got there, the first stop was Chick-fil-A, you know? And look, it's fucking delicious, like the chicken. Right. But it's true what they stand for, and they're closed on Sundays, and they're so not supportive of the LB. Yeah. You know, there's so many letters. letters. All the letters. letters. It's like a whole alphabet now. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) I can't keep keep track of any of them either. I'm just like, I kind of stop at like the T. And then if I really want to keep going, then I'll throw in the QIA. Just, you know, depending on how much breath I have to give. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. L-G-B-T-Q. And then what's the other one? I-A plus. So for a long time, I had a we all had an issue with the word queer and what it actually meant. And it was used as a derogatory term. And now it's become this thing that is all encompassing. Right. right? And so it's queer that covers every letter that is potentially coming in there. Or even if you're not any of those letters, just something that makes you feel different or uniquely special. Right. Queer can be used like that. So I'm still a student and learning how to use that word. So 
you know, it's hard because we were told not to for a long time. But I guess taking the ownership back of a word that used to be used against us. Right. I wonder if Queer Eye is kind of like a little responsible for normalizing the word and using it in a positive way. Mm -hmm. By the way, love that show. Yeah. Love. Oh, me too. It is so good. It's It's so so good. good. We were watching it the other day crying. Just bawling, you know, the whole (laughs) time. It's really, really just strikes my little insides. Your little, (laughs) her insides are very little. (laughs) They're very little. (laughs) But yeah, but it's so interesting that now, you know, it is a different thing and there are so many letters and whatnot. And you wrote a children's book, right? And did you have all the letters on your book? (laughs) No, so I wrote a journal and that journal was kind of prompted by wanting to do something larger to raise money. You know, I think I'm personally debilitated sometimes by all the wrong there is. And you're just like, where do I even start to even fix anything and understanding like, you know, we are not solely responsible for fixing the world and it's okay just to do the small little things here and there. And so it's not like writing a major cookbook, which took me three years. Like we could do this and we could give all the net proceeds to a non-for-profit, which was kind of the whole catalyst to wanting to do it. Yeah. and, And the idea of wanting to write down and to prompt feelings in children and even adults to talk to their kids, I think is really important. And I mean, I grew up with very supportive family, an amazing mom and dad and brother, but we didn't oftentimes talk about like deep-seated feelings, right? And so it wasn't until later on in life that I got real comfortable with going there, not only with myself, but also with my mom and my dad. So when did you, you know, first of all, did you always feel, you know, that you were gay and you knew way back when? You did. Oh my God. I've, I've known, I mean, I knew, like I knew when I was, you know, back in like the instinct days that all my friends are like choosing their favorite boy. And yeah. I was like, I don't know. You're like, I'll take that one. Joey F- Fatone. Fatone. Right. <laughs> They're like, you don't like Justin? Yeah. You're like, no. Right. And I just, you know, I, I always kind of knew that I didn't have that same level of attraction, even before realizing what actual romantic, physical, sexual relationships were defined as. And so I remember this very, very vividly. When Notting Hill came out, I think it was like the 90s, early, not late 90s. I don't know. And we went to go see Notting Hill in the theaters. And I walked out. It was this one scene. Julia Roberts is in that conference room waiting for all the interviewers to come to her. Yes. And she's in a fucking power suit and like the hair, everything about it. I was like, ooh. Oh like, my God, I love that. I, <laughs> I think I feel something. And I walked out of that theater and I was like, God damn it. Like, fuck. Because yeah. like no one teaches you one, how to be gay and how to like come out. Right. Even right. though it was very much accepted in my family and we weren't taught not to support or love who we want to love. But I was like, I don't know how to do this gay thing. So I remained very closeted for a very long time. And then eventually I did end up falling in love post Top Chef. And um, that was the reason to come out because oh, I wanted wow. to have my, my same love that everyone else gets to have, yeah. you know, and that social media became a thing. And just like, I remember I posted a year anniversary picture of myself and then my then girlfriend. And everyone was like, oh my God, we knew it. Or congratulations (laughs) and all this stuff. And I was like, wait a second. First off, why do y'all care so much? Second off, I realized, I guess, the enormity of what it actually means when someone steps into their own self. And so having that power, I was like, oh shit, okay, this is great. And so I got real comfortable with talking about who I was, the things that I possess and the things that make me me from that point forward. You're super dope. Yeah, you really are. We yeah, we we, you know, went deep on you. And 
you <laughs> and I kept saying to Rachel, I'm like, so we're both straight women, but yeah. you're so attractive. Like you Thanks. really, you really are. I'm like, she's hot. Like, and you know, also I think that one of the things that really stands out about you is your level of self-acceptance and how you felt to where you are today is astonishing and really beautiful because that journey is something that I think a lot of people have a really hard time with. And so for Mm. you to kind of step in the light and pave the way for other young people is a really big deal. Thank you. You know, I think a lot of that comes from uh, having hid all of that part of me for so long and being so unaware of who I was and what made me me and being unaware of the choices I was making and how they were negatively or positively impacting my life. Mm. And so I don't know what happened. Maybe it's maturity or maybe it's life experience. Maybe it's making too many bad decisions and realizing that's not going to work out Um, for me to be able to step into this space of like opening my eyes to every single thing that's around me and understanding that every moment, every second, this, even chatting with you two, like, this moment will impact something later on in the future that will eventually spider web and I can like start pulling the strings and connecting all the dots. And that's like the cool thing about life. Yes. Where (laughs) you're like, hold on, that happened because of that, that happened because of that. And it's just like constant. And it's this to be continued story that I think is like really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, for a long time, you were older when you came Mm -hmm. into this, at least openly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and your first relationship. And when, when you said it was after Top Chef, I mean, my mind was kind yeah. of blown, you know, because... Well, I will say I had I had moments okay. in college. Okay. <laughs> you explored, you know? yeah. So you did your thing in college. <laughs> did you ever date guys growing up? Oh, I did. You did? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what? I have to tell you, Kristen, you're really lucky in one sense because there's nothing scarier to me than a new penis, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so serious. Like, I can one... imagine a new vagina might be scary too. <laughs> okay, fine. But like, you, at least you have more, like there's limits there. You know what I mean? Like penis is just like this crazy alien force. Okay. Anyway, when I, when I became, hold on. When I became single, my thought was like, oh fuck. Like if I date a lot of guys, if I sleep with a lot, I got to meet all these penis. Peni. Just kidding. I have to meet all these penises and I'm like, this is horrifying. Like, oh God, like that first grab, that first look. Like it's just, oh my God, I love it. Anyway, it's very anxiety inducing. So I feel like you're very lucky. I would not be as scared. I mean, you know what? Maybe guys would argue, Rob. Rob. (laughs) Rob. Yes, yes. Would you be like, when you were younger and like dating, did that ever, like, did you ever meet some really, you know, interesting vaginas and like, is that a scary thing? Or? Yeah. I mean, it can be. Okay. Yeah. I would imagine. Right. That's fair. My husband's delivered a lot of babies because he's a doctor and I've really <laughs> uh, gotten down with him. Like, are vaginas all different? Because I'm not like a, I haven't seen a lot of vaginas. I'm not like into that, you know? And he's basically like a vagina's a vagina. Okay. And he's like, some are, you know, hairier. Very some are, professional. It's so very clinical. Yeah. Clinical. But I yeah. I would imagine yeah. that would be a little. Yeah. I th- it was mostly grooming, I would say. Grooming. Would, yeah. The, That's yeah. more the. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's but fair. with us, it's like size, girth. 
length. Like, oh yeah, specific. there's so many things that go into <laughs> what makes or breaks. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's variety, but I I'm sure this think... is your favorite topic, by the way, is penis. Like, no, it's I'm great. Sure you're it's like, great. I, don't, super... I don't get to talk about them often. Probably, yeah, no, you're like, <laughs> okay, like uh, food and like, okay, well, let's go there. Um, sorry, I, I just tend to do that sometimes. I, I'm a little all over well, the place. Well, I think, I mean, anytime, right? Anything new is oftentimes frightening, right? Yeah. No matter if it's, a vagina or a penis or, you know, or anything in between, whatever, whatever you're into. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the penises. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a fair statement. <laughs> it's so interesting. Like I've thought about sexuality a lot. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of it. Right. And I've wondered, cause there's been times in life where I'm like, God, it would be so much easier to be with a woman. Mm. Don't they miss dick like don't they want that <laughs> and it's like no and I've had to like really think about that well they have strap on yeah but it's like it's not the same craving I would imagine sorry we've gone off the rails no I mean I think it's I think it's I think women are far more emotional of natural human beings right, right. and sure yes there is a very distinct like male and female and body parts that come along with those things I have so many friends that have had the same discussion with me and they're like you wish you could be gay, but like, you don't like vaginas, like whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not gay and you're straight. So you don't even have to think about it like that. I don't know. I, yes, I, I place value and there certainly is something in the extremities of a human being, but that is secondary to the human that it's attached to. Right. 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 And so, I mean, I definitely know that I am not fluid in my romantic relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very much women. So I can very confidently say, yes, I like vagina. For a lot of people, it's very fluid now, you know, yeah. and I think that the beauty of exploring sexuality and different things like that, you know, it's a connection, soul connections on deeper levels that I feel um, are far more important. Right. Than Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else. I keep seeing it more and more, you know, people coming out as they and, mm-hmm. you know, just it's very, but then it, it's, it always brings the question like, well, is it trendy right now or is it just people feel safe to do so? I think it's safe. I think it's safe. It's a safe space to enter into. It's a safe space to change your mind. Yeah. Um, just because you declare one thing about yourself doesn't mean you always have to. Or if you're very sure and it will be your forever pronoun, fantastic. Yeah. But I think, you know, the beauty of being able to talk about it in a way that doesn't feel divisive or frightening, depending on who you're speaking about it with is leaps and bounds better than what we were many, many years ago, or even just two years ago. Right. How did it go when you came out to your family? You know, it was great, honestly. So I grew up in suburbia, Michigan, very Midwest. I think there were one or two like gay people that I knew in my school. And I remember coming out and I knew I wasn't going to be able to come out until I actually fell in love. Like I had a feeling because it just did not feel, I can't be like, hey, I'm gay. And then Da, da, da. There's right. nothing else to attach to it. And so I told my mentor at the time, Barbara Lynch, who I was working for in Boston, I told her first because she also had a girlfriend. And I was like, well, this is great. Hey, I also have a girlfriend. So that was easy. The next step was telling my brother because I was like, my brother doesn't give a flying fuck. He's going to be like, cool, Kristen. Like, great. <laughs> um, wasn't scared about his response whatsoever. I toggled between my friends, figuring out who to tell first. And I told my parents. And I remember I was laying in my little studio apartment in Boston. I'm looking at the ceiling and I'm like, fuck, I'm going home for this book tour thing. And I was like, I want to bring my girlfriend. And I was laying on the bed and I'm like, so mom, um, 
I have something to tell you. I'm dating someone and we're going to come home. Great, Kristen, who is he? Okay. Uh, Well, mom, it's a she. And it felt like radio silence for a very long time. (laughs) And I was like, please, someone say something. And I was sweating. Um, And, you know, when you're by yourself and no one can see you, but you still close your eyes hoping you feel invisible. Yeah, that was happening. And then all of a sudden she goes, well, I think we already knew. And I was like, huh, okay, where do you go from here? Where does the next sentence come? And uh, she, you know, she was like, are you happy? And she said, are you sure? And I, and her line of questioning was very much this maternal, I want you to be okay and I want the world to treat you okay. So I just need to make sure. And I was like, totally. And I was like, I'm very, very sure. And I'm really happy. She was like, great, we're happy for you. We can't wait to meet her. And that was kind of it. And my dad is a man of very few words, but like the most gentle soul you will ever meet. And in the back, he's like, well, that's great, Kristen. Exactly how he talks. He's like, well, we can't wait to have you. And I still remember to this day, the thing, that line of questioning was solidified as care, even if I already knew it, but like when Trump and Pence were elected into office, fucking Christ. Um, (laughs) My mom called and was like, Kristen, listen, I'm not so worried about what Donald Trump is going to do for gay rights, but Mike Pence is this like very known, you know, anti-gay stance. And she was like, well, I'm scared. And she cried on the phone and I was like, Mm. fuck, this is what she was worried about of me not being treated fairly. And she'll still ask me when I go traveling, she was like, Kristen, can you go to Dubai and like be open to your relationship? Please be careful. Like that kind of stuff. Right. And I was like, there are places in which we still have to be very, very conscious of what it looks like, obviously. That makes me so emotional. I know, me too. (laughs) But like my mom, that was kind of like that full circle moment much later on. That was like, okay, that line of questioning was because of this exact moment that's happening in our country. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah, that's exactly the climate we're in now, or at least parts of this country, which is terrifying. It's like, how could we go so far back? You know, we've made such amazing strides and progress. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you want to just hit your head in the wall? I know, I know. But my mom loves like my wife and she's genuinely obsessed with her. She like absolutely adores her and she's like our family and I've incorporated into hers. And it just, you know, we've, we have a really wonderful structure in, you know, our arms. Yes. Yeah. Really amazing support. And how long have you been married? Uh, We got married. uh, Great question. April 18th, <laughs> <laughs> April 18th, 2021. Oh, so, we, so it's yeah. new. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We've been together for a few years now, yeah. but um, we finally realized like, just like the rest of the world, pandemic wasn't going to go anywhere. And she's from Australia. Her family lives in Australia. Okay. And so like getting everyone together was impossible. And we're like, well, if her family can't be there, then we don't feel right holding this big wedding and they yeah. aren't allowed to yeah. come. Yeah. And so we just did a backyard wedding with her, me and our um, justice of the peace and our family on Zoom. That is Beautiful. really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Aww, I, I love, love that. that your mom too, like there's something really beautiful about that. And as moms, we care a lot about how mothers treat their children, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that because You've openly talked about being adopted. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something so beautiful about the fact that she chose to love you, you know, and that is powerful. Yeah. 
she, we've had this conversation um, now that I'm in a place, obviously, where I can understand it more so than being a child. So she taught for 39 years, child psychology, early childhood oh, development. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. And so she knew she was going to adopt. She had my brother. He's eight years older than I am, biological to my parents. And it was always like, well, we're going to have one of our own and we're going to adopt. I've recently asked her in the past year, I said, well, what did you want to be when you got older? Like, are you happy with how your life turned out? Because I think it's important to ask our parents that now as we view them more as humans and less of like mom and dad, right? right? And she was like, no, I always I always knew like being a mother was what I wanted to do. And having one of my own and adopting because she just, you know, there's so many babies out there that need homes, you know, all that stuff. So she was very clear in her decision and she was very clear on the path that she was going to take. And I think already having that mindset of not knowing that, like two or three years prior to adopting me, like she knew it from day one. Hmm. And yeah, it is not forgotten. I think about it all the time about feeling, the feeling of choosing, right? And choosing your own path and your own child and having the choice to say, I'm going to do this. Like it's huge. And like, honestly, if I talk a lot about it, I will, it will bring me to tears because I think about my life in a lot of ways connected to my parents about the choices they had to make in order for me to even just be sitting here talking to you. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it's heavy sometimes, but it's like happy, good tears. But yeah, yeah, I just want to do good for them and <laughs> make them proud and like, you know, do the, just do you can make me cry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, it sounds like you have such an amazing support system and your whole family feels like I want to be a part of your family. That's how it's making me feel like just so cool and accepting and loving and how lucky, you know? And I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. And you were adopted very young, right? Four four months old? I was adopted at four months old from Seoul. So what I know is I was born. um, The lady went into a clinic. She gave birth to me. Room number two. Mm. uh, She was five, five, permed hair and wearing a navy sweatsuit. And that's all I know. That's all you know. Yeah. And so from there, she popped me out and they waited four days for her to come back and she never came back. And so I think that's legally, there's some time frame that you have to wait. I was handed over to the officials. The police department actually named me or so what I'm told. Wow. Um, Kwon Young Ran is my Korean name. And then I was shuffled around orphanages and then I was adopted. And so already those first four months being very, very young have impacted so much of like who I am as an adult. You know, I had to deal with abandonment issues and like to hold on all that shit, right? Yeah. And not feeling like I'm grasping on to everything just because I feel like I'm going to lose it. Right. Yeah. Well, well, how old were you when you learned all this information? Um, I was given the papers at 16. Okay. Um, I think we requested them at 16. I think at 18, maybe I was allowed to like open up a search if I wanted to. I started, I went 50% there and I was like, ah, no, 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 back, backpedal. And I went through a different range of emotions thinking this is what I wanted versus this is what I feel like I have to do or versus, you know, the expectation of these next moves I'm supposed to make in my life. But no, so I haven't gone back to Korea. I haven't explored opening it up. I haven't done any of that stuff. And 25% 25% of me is afraid of the outcome yep. of not knowing and finding out enough. 75% of me is like, well, you know what? I'm good. I'm busy. 
Like I don't have time. It doesn't feel as important of a priority to stop everything I'm doing now to then go do that. I have a connection in that way of how many years ago now? Four four years ago, I went on 23andMe and I had known my mother had given a baby up for adoption. Oh, Yeah, that's something I knew. She told me at about 15 and my brother and my sister and I all knew and I always wondered about him. We knew it was a boy and that's all we knew. It was a closed adoption. And I went on 23andMe and I clicked something like connect with relatives Mm. and ended up stumbling upon what came up as an uncle. And I'm like, do we have an Uncle Steve? And, you know, it was this whole thing. And then we put the pieces together and I wrote him and I was like, I have reason to believe you're my brother. And he's like, that's why I got on 23andMe. And we've connected. He got to meet my mom. It's my mom's biggest wish in life was to meet him. He's part of the family now. He's one of us, Mm -hmm. which is just mind-blowing. He's a beautiful person. He has a lot of the same things that we went through with addiction and all kinds of stuff. But Mm. we stumbled upon it. We didn't go out searching. But with 23andMe and all that stuff, like, do you consider that? Uh, I did 23andMe. Oh, you did? Um, I did. And here's the thing. Being adopted, and I'd be curious to hear what your family thinks on it, is that I feel like the only thing I truly missed was having a picture or a reference of saying, these are the two people that created this, who they are. I want to know what they look like physically. I want to know what they do. I want to know who they are emotionally. Like Because so much of our genetic pool is dictating our future in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so not having that information is a little, I don't want to say unsettling, but can be if I overthink it. And so I, I missed having reference. I'm like, you know, people talk about, oh, you have your mom's eyes or like you have your dad's nose. And like, you're like, what does that feel like? So I did 23andMe. I found out that I am 90% Korean, 10% Japanese, 90-10. Very clear. Very clear cut. (laughs) And so then what ends up happening is I start thinking about like, oh my God, was I given up because my birth mother had an affair with this Japanese something. And then her parents found out, you know, you start (laughs) hearing up all these stories. You're like, wait, could I be like, Korean Japanese royalty. Like, what am I doing yes. here? You know, uh, you start like going through all of it. And every single time I think about it, the story changes. Um, but yeah, honestly, that's the only thing I feel like I miss. And even just having that 90-10 fact yeah. makes me feel a little bit more settled yeah. in my past. You know, and I think maybe one day I'll, I'll explore it. But I also know that I need something bigger to push me along to do it. Right. And I think the way it happened in my family was pretty organic and it just happened. And I think that there is something really cool about you're meant to know what you're meant to know, right? Mm. Like you either follow the threads that your internal guidance system is leading you to. And it Mm -hmm. sounds to me like you're really in touch with that. Like for today, I'm good, you know? Yeah. And I think understanding why I was behaving and doing and becoming this person in a lot of like negative ways was so much linked to the unsettling piece of my life, right? And so instead of trying to find all the answers, because I could be searching my entire life and I could never find it. And all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, I'm just going to like give up. Like I'm never going to do this. The weight became, I guess, the value where I placed 
all of it became, let's figure out why you are doing the things you do and why are you the way you are, but let's not try to fix it, right? Let's just become slightly more aware Mm -hmm. and then understanding how to live and coexist with these things that make you kind of like pedal forward instead of completely stopping, right? right? right. So I think those two things are interchangeable in figuring out how to like just keep going. There's a point in my life where I just was completely fucked for lack of a better term. Like I was going down a really shitty path and that was like, well, it was, it was bad. And then I recognized what was going on. Emotionally, behavior. Yeah. So when I was in Chicago, um, I had graduated high school. I started going to school for international business and economics, really shitty. Um, I thought it was going to give me this life that I have always wanted. And I realized that that wasn't happening. And I moved to Chicago. I went to culinary school. And I was good in school, but I hadn't quite figured out Kristen outside of school yet. So I was like, straight A student, really good. I was on time every day. But then you get me out of class when that's done. I'm at the bar. I'm like doing drugs, like all this shit, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you're like, God damn it. And <laughs> I remember waking up one morning in, in an apartment that I did not earn, that my parents, my parents are not rich, but they would have done anything to give me what I need. Um, and I woke up and I was like, oh my God. This idea of perfection that I'm striving for is the thing that is going to pull me out of this eventually. And it did because I, I was laying there and I was like, I'm either going to die or I'm going to go to jail. Like something bad is going to happen. And I woke up and I was like, I, this is, I can't do this. That compounding with my parents being like, well, we're going to financially cut you off because you're not doing anything. And I was like, well, okay, I have no choice but to move home. And so I had to move back home. I lived in my pajamas for four months, horribly depressed. Um, and then they gave me another shot at it and I moved to Boston. And how did you change from there? Like what changed? Uh, it was a very slow change. So the idea of reaching for perfection and feeling like and looking like I had everything figured out, which is what the drugs did, which is what the alcohol did, mm-hmm. which is what all this bullshit did. Eventually there was a tipping point. And now it was like, well, Kristen, you're going to be viewed as this fuck up. Like, you're going out, you're not doing anything with your life. Like all these things aren't cute anymore. Like they were cute at one point, maybe when you were in school, but like, welcome to the adult world. It's not going to work anymore. And that was ultimately what helped me shift it. And I was like, well, I don't want to be a fuck up. I don't want anyone to think I'm a fuck up. So I'm going to find a different way. And it didn't jump from like unhealthy to healthy. It jumped from unhealthy to a relationship I did not necessarily want to be in right? And codependency. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of like bounced from little things to little things until I figured out what I was actually doing and how I was masking these things. But they eventually got a little less unhealthy. I feel like going from drugs and alcohol to codependency is a a slight journey up. (laughs) For sure. So I wasn't going to die, but maybe I'll still be sad, but it's okay. So like, let's just keep... Yeah. Keep making these steps. Keep moving forward. And then is that, so you were already at culinary school, but then you just, after that, you went back to it and kind of full steam ahead. Is that sort of the... Well, (laughs) so (laughs) old habits um, don't die young. And so essentially I moved to Boston and I was like, well, I'm not going to take any job unless it's this kind of job. And that's what I was doing in Chicago. So I wasn't being hired for anything because I was reaching for things I was completely unqualified for. and. Eventually, I go to Boston and I start doing the same shit. And I'm like worried about what people are going to think. And, you know, all my friends are like, 
engineers or they're going to do this. I didn't have my surrounding community of like creatives yet. And I started searching for the wrong job. I eventually took a job working the line, you know, like I should Mm -hmm. for minimum (laughs) wage. Um, And it was there I, I met my best friend, right? And I think that was like, I was supposed to take that shitty job for a multitude of different reasons. And meeting my best friend was like the main thing. I feel like I got out of that. And so eventually we found our way through this career and, you know, I took jobs that were good and some jobs that weren't so good, but eventually I found my way to my mentor, Barbara Lynch, right? Uh, who will be my forever mentor. And that's when things really started to shift because she's the one who said, I have to go on Top Chef. Really? I didn't want to. You didn't want to do it? Oh my God, no. <laughs> no. I was like, I was socially anxious, very awkward, completely like a nervous wreck of like being judged my whole life. Right? Oh, and God. This is why all this shit started to come out. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, who's going to put me, this person with all this sh- random shit that I haven't dealt with on television to say, just go and do it. And I was like, well, I guess all you have to do is go on there and cook. So the cooking part, I got under control. The other shit, not so much <laughs> yet, but. Um, I just went on there and I cooked. You went on there and kicked ass is what you did. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that is just so insane. I mean, with the social anxiety and everything else, but like now thinking, not knowing, you know, this mm-hmm. much about you, obviously on the show, you're just like this badass cook that's kicking ass and you wouldn't even know. And like all the other stuff that you've overcome and everything, which is just so amazing. And it sounds like when you speak about all this stuff that you've really done the work, you know? Yeah. Like I try. Yeah. Yeah. It's very impressive how you talk about it all. You know, I think that I had the right people in my life to like prompt these things and like to prompt thinking in these situations where I was like, wait a second, normally, honestly, like brush it under the rug. Let's just deal with it. Let me just carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and never tell anybody. And, you know, it was through friendship, through mentorship, through even relationships that are since no longer like ex-girlfriends. I learned an incredible amount about myself and how I'm behaving and what my actions lead to. Right. And, you know, I think back to the times and I'm like, God, I wish I didn't have to like put anyone else through it with me. <laughs> yeah. um, but it just, but it just makes me feel really honestly, truly grateful for the people that who were there that may not be here any longer because of obviously relationships and exes and things. Um, but paying value and tribute to those people because it was just, those are the reasons why I know things started to shift for me. You're so impressive. Did you have to get <laughs> rid of the, I'm, here's my alcoholic brain. Did you have to get rid of the alcohol and the drugs? Or? No, I don't, I don't like drinking. I don't. I did drugs so I could keep up with my friends drinking. Oh, so okay. Yeah. My Asianness doesn't allow me to drink copious amounts of alcohol and feel great about it. Like your drunk feels different than my drunk. A thousand percent. I get like red in the face, my head pounds, like my heart beats so fast. And so when I did drugs, it offset the alcohol. And so that's why I relied on it. Yeah. Growing up, that was me. I hated drinking and I would just do drugs to keep up with them. And let me tell you, keeping up with them was no easy task. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. But yeah. And meanwhile, you guys are in a thing together, realizing like the same struggle is there, but you're both trying to keep like, I don't know if it was the two of you together, but um, you're trying to keep up with all these other people that are yeah. also trying to keep up. Yes. But no one wants to t- fucking talk about it. It's oh, a rat yeah. race. Well, we yeah. grew up yeah. here in L.A. going out to the clubs, like all the, you know, young, like really way before young. we were supposed to be there. 
definitely not of age. And, you know, and you're just keeping up with this whole scene. And it's gross. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. When people are like, oh, my God, you're in L.A. and you're going to this club. And there's like, no, it's disgusting. (laughs) And and vapid. (laughs) And we went, I mean, I think that that's part of what's also bonded us so tight as friends is we've been through everything together, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. since being teenagers, like all the pain, all the struggle, all the addictions, all the codependencies, relationships, all the penises, all the dicks. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a lot. No, (laughs) it's about it's having people around you that just completely hold you accountable for every action and different thing you're doing. Or saying, you know what, today I'm not going to hold you accountable. Today I'm going to just let you do what you need to do. And then we'll talk about it later. Because that's also really important. Yeah, that's hard. To be able to have like, it is incredibly hard. Oh my God. I called you out, remember? Which time? Which time? (laughs) It's what we do as friends. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, oh, geez. Yeah. (laughs) When my drinking and I made a fool of myself. Selfie. Actually, it's a callback to NSYNC because it was to Justin Timberlake. It was. No, <laughs> she, it makes my face hurt. She gets so uncomfortable. She was wasted. Wasted. Like, she wasted. Like, Not beyond. Mm. And, you know, and I didn't drink, so I'm definitely, like, observing everything that's going down. Mm-hmm. Because we grew up in L.A., you know, you're around certain people. And it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I was, you, look. I she basically up. was like, Stop it. No, I can't. Like, I did not. No, I know. No, she didn't. But like, we were sitting next to each other at one point, and she literally, there was this much room in between us. (laughs) (laughs) And Olivia plopped down and squeezed herself into this much space to sit next to him. I mean, it's okay. You, were, you had plenty to drink. You weren't thirsty. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so the next day, like, I called her out. I was like, dude, like, if you could have seen yourself, how you were behaving around these people. Yeah. It hurt deep. It li- <laughs> like, no, it literally shook me and hurt me and, like, was one of my wake-up calls to getting sober. It was like, I am not who I know I could be. I know mm-hmm. that there's someone in me. And that, like, oh. <laughs> So you said you said one one of your wake up calls. Like, can you pinpoint that exact moment where you're like, and we're done now? Yeah, I actually can. I remember waking up to Taco Bell on my bedside, mm. which a lot of women would go home with guys. I would eat Taco Bell, like, and I would <laughs> hate myself for it in the morning. Mm. I woke up to an empty bottle of wine with a bunch of cigarettes put out in it, Taco Bell, and mm. like text messages sent to a guy that I had recently broke up with that were, I don't even, I don't even know. And like deeply shameful text messages. And like, I remember just waking up and being like, I can't do this anymore. And like, I had known for years I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't some like, you know, car accident or anything. It was literally, I felt like that bottle of wine with the cigarette butts put out in it. Mm -hmm. I was just empty, broken, trashed. Like, and I just knew. And, but my, I come from a whole family of addicts. So I was like, mm. it was kind of like that vampire thing. Like I knew what I was early on. Right. You right. Know? <laughs> I like that analogy. It's, I guess sometimes when you do know so much of your past, like it kind of, whether you want to or not, it's, it's subconsciously writing your future. So like there's a double-edged sword, right? You're like, well, I know, but maybe if I didn't know, it wouldn't have, you know, you kind of which is sort it all out. Interesting to meet my brother because he 
when I met him was 10 years sober. So he was adopted into a family, fantastic family, good people, raised him well, ended up an addict and got sober. And he had always wondered like nature versus nurture. Like, Mm -hmm. was this pre-written in my DNA, (laughs) you know? Wow. It's interesting. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. It's like, there's so much... um, you know, I'm learning. So my wife, she was in food and beverage. She still is as consultant, but her heart lies in breath work and healing and, you know, oh, all wow. that kind of stuff. So she does breath work therapy. Awesome. So I'm learning a lot about things that are out of our control. So 80 plus percent of our actions are based off of our subconscious mind, right? That's a lot. Like we are under control, this thing that we don't even know we're under control. And that idea of wanting to tap into the subconscious mind to kind of like start to rewire is really interesting to me. It's understanding those things that we are wired. We are already pre-wired. And if you want to shift it, you got to like go in there and do it in like hypnosis or breath work. It is hard work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Wow. So you do that with her? Does she? Well, no, I observe. She tells me about what she's learning and what she's doing. Got it. I know I can't do it with her because you know, it's kind of like there's a line in a relationship where like you don't poop with the door open, right? Right. Like, don't do that. You don't. I don't get, okay. I don't get there. No, I don't get therapy with my wife. Like you just yeah. don't do that. Right. That makes sense. But it's a really interesting way of seeing things. And that's kind of what I mean with past relationships and current day relationships of having more people around you that are championing and preparing you to be more aware with yourself. Yeah. You know, one thing I learned about, I think you're basically under the state of hypnosis from zero to seven. I think rational thinking doesn't come in until around seven. Mm -hmm. So everything is just straight going in without rational thinking to be like, no, that's not true. Or you can see that a different way. So whatever's put in you, from that time is the rest of our life's work to get to, right? Yeah. So crazy. I know. And having kids, I'm always like, what are we programming oh, in God. him? <laughs> How should we talk to our kids? I, I do really want to know that because I have a hard time. I'm not sure how to talk to my children about gender and sexuality and like, Mm. Are there appropriate ages to do that? Are there not? Like, because everything we're doing is hypnotizing them. We're programming them. And so you have to really wonder. Mm -hmm. I just think like my daughter has a friend at school, you know, who has two moms and she's been at school with her since she was like two years old, but she doesn't even question it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah, no, she has two moms because love is love, you know? And that's kind of like how I've approached it. And it doesn't see you know, necessarily people or, or gender or whatever, that it's just mm-hmm. like, no, love is love. And yeah, you can have two moms, you can have two dads, you can have, you know, whatever. Um, right. But it is an interesting thing. And it's so much more like, what's the word for it? Like just nowadays, you know, being really conscious of it and wanting them to be conscious of it. Right. I think that very similar. I don't have kids. I don't plan to have them, but I really, I love kids. I feel like I can relate to them. I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> um, probably immature. Um the way I look at it is like I have cooks in my kitchen and the team in which I have right now all learn very differently. And my job as their leader and your job as a mother is to say, okay, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to care enough to understand how you learn right, and how best you're going to receive information. So you have 
X amount of cooks. And some people like constant guidance. They want me to stand next to them. They want me to text them all the time. They want me to check in. And in some ways, you know, the other person next door to them is saying, well, fuck, if you did that to me, I'd feel micromanaged. And I'm like, okay, so you got to figure it out. And I feel like my mom always knew that I didn't want to be spoken to, like, get me, like, do this, do this. I wouldn't do it. I would lash out. I would misbehave. But what she did know at the time and what she did give to me is just, she kind of watched from a, a distance. If anything got too troublesome, i.e. my Chicago days, she would step <laughs> in, pull me out of it and say, we're going to shift gears. And I think as a mom to your children, it's also understanding how they learn, whether it's through observation or when they get older, it's a very simple conversation. Like, how do you feel when I do this? Okay, well, it doesn't make you feel good. So let's try the other thing. And, you know, I think, I don't know how, how old are your children? Mine's seven, six and three. I remember when I was six. I don't remember when I was three, but like that's first grade. Like mm -hmm. you're surrounded by other kinds of people and you're learning more about yourself um, and how best, I guess, you react to kids in the playground or, you know, if you get angry, if someone comes and steals your toy or if you're like, that's okay. And so, you know, I, I believe everything is based off of modeling the right behavior. And then until you, someone wants to talk to you about it or your kid was like, hey, mom, I don't like when you do that. Up until that point, it's just kind of, again, modeling the behavior of saying, this is what you should be doing and this is the right thing. Right. It's tough. It is. <laughs> it's hard. It, is. it is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Being a mom, I can't even, I think a lot of reasons I don't want children is because I don't want to fuck it up. Um, <laughs> and I fully under, I understand yeah. that. Yeah, but it's hard. Yeah. You and your wife agree on that, though. You both kind of like talked about that before and stuff. We did. You know, she she's in the camp of, Kristen, don't ever say no to anything in this world. Right. Like, because then you are telling the universe, you're shut off. Don't even come near me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, heard that. So not right now. But not right now is probably going to be the answer for a very long time. Not right ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. But yeah, yeah. a lot goes into it. <laughs> a lot does yeah. go into it. But, you know, it's always fascinating to me. The people that choose not to are the only ones that I'm like, and that was such a well thought out decision, you would be a good mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why don't more people think like that? <laughs> Can I ask you a question about being a mom? Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are like, well, my mom, for example, I knew I wanted to be a mom. And obviously being in a relationship with another woman, we can't have an oopsies and, you know, it right. has to be very much planned. But do you, one, my first question is that, did you know that you wanted to be a mom? And then two, when you did become a mom, is it truly that love that no one can ever prepare you for. Absolutely. It's kind of crazy because, you know, people say it and you're like, okay. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> then it happens and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm fucked because I could never love anything in this world more than this little being that just popped out of my vagina or your stomach <laughs> or whatever. But <laughs> it's the craziest feeling. And I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Always. Um, but... It's an instant thing as soon as you have that baby. And I know women have different experiences. You know, there's postpartum, like there's all of that stuff that comes along with it. But the love that is there, it's also terrifying. Horrifying. Like we talk about it all the time, how much fear there is in it. Because if anything ever happened to this being, mm. that is your absolute world and you would never love anything like it, 
it's a little scary. But that's that's the work we do, you know? Like, you can't be in that mindset all the time. You can't mm-hmm. live in fear because what does that do? You know, fear is toxic. It's it's this poison, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. inside you. And if you give into that and you live by that, what kind of life is that? Because then you're constantly just afraid to do anything. But so, yes, being a mom and the love, that's why it's worth it. I always knew. I, I, I always knew. And I feel like when I first had my first son and he was breastfeeding, I got this feeling like someone just handed me the keys to meet God. Like it was such a opening, heart opening. The love is, there's no words that can explain it. It's life changing. It's completely life changing so <laughs> and, and, and utterly f- fucked because <laughs> it, it really is. Like we do that all the time, Rachel and I look at each other and go, why did we do this to ourselves? <laughs> why? Like there's been things that have happened with my kids where I'm like, I would like to call everyone who doesn't have a child and tell them, please don't. Like this is too much. This is too much love, too much fear, too much whatever. But I've also, we've been talking about this. Like my heart has always wanted to adopt too. Mm. Yeah, we have been talking about it lately because I think it's amazing and awesome and it's a beautiful thing. And we're like, you know, and I'm 40 now. So, you know, if I want another kid, it'll probably be that, you know what I mean? And right. and my daughter's super cool and she's seven. You know, your brother was eight when you were dead? Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. How was your relationship? Our relationship is very special and having such a large age gap, um, I think is a really good thing. So there is this time in life where the older kid goes off and is like becoming an adult while this other one is still kind of stuck in adolescence. And so during that phase, it was love at a distance. I'm sure there are all the times where I was the annoying little sister that just (laughs) wouldn't leave him and his friends alone. Um, But my mom's favorite thing to say is that when you got off that airplane, like when I was carried off the airplane, I was placed in her arms. My brother was like, give her to me. (gasps) Stop it. And there's a picture of him in the airport holding me, feeding me in the Detroit Metro Airport. I can't. And he is everything that I feel like an older brother should be. So he looks after me. He borrowed money from me because I never <laughs> spent money as a child. And, he, you know, all that shit. Um, I will never forget. He, at one point, when I was still working in kitchens, not making a lot of money, and I think collectively the whole family was like, God, is she going to be okay? He started a savings account for me because he was working. He was like successful. He's an engineer and doing all this stuff. And he started an account for me. And every Christmas and birthday, he would he just say, Chris, I'm just going to put money in it. That's going to be your gift. And that's the kind of brother he is. And if that doesn't paint a picture of who he is, I think he just, he's special. And on it, I mean, he's special because my parents are special and just like, they're good people. Hold on. I have to show you a picture. Yeah, I literally. We need the visual. <laughs> we're coming to Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Uninvited. <laughs> and I want to know what your side dishes are. <laughs> They're the greatest, like, the greatest. Anyway, so I dedicated my cookbook to them. So Aww. you just have, so you have context of who they are. Oh, oh. man. Yeah, Olivia was just saying we're coming to Thanksgiving, even uninvited. You're done. Uninvited. <laughs> yeah. I hope that's okay. Wait, do you have to yeah. cook all of Thanksgiving or is it like still in your parents' hands or how does that work? <laughs> so obviously with, with COVID and everything, everything's kind of slowed down. Oh, yeah. And for a couple of, of years, obviously I was at my restaurant. Um, well, it's still very, very new. 
but I, I've gone home mostly for Christmas. My parents are now retired. They're in Florida. My brother still lives in Michigan. And I, I went to Michigan and it was very, it was very like, Kristen, we don't want you to cook. And then they all know if I see something going wrong or I'm like, God, that's going to be disgusting or not even disgusting. That's not going to turn out how it needs to turn out. Then I'm going to, oh, I, I can't help myself. Right. I'm going to step in. And so I remember I taught my brother how to do a turkey. So I was like, you just can't put salt and pepper on it and throw it in the oven and hope everything's going to be fine. What do you do? And so I would cook. Sorry, I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> I No, you got to create like a compound butter and you got to like move That's it what all over. Does and put it under the skin. Yeah. You got to yeah. put it under the skin. Uh-huh. And you also have to know where to layer up that fat and when to open the oven to baste it. Dude. Because certain parts <laughs> need to be basted at different times than another part. So it's constant babysitting. Do you care that we're going to be best friends now? Because yeah. I'm going to be texting. Can I, I think, text you I all the like, time? <laughs> <laughs> I will. Th- if you have any cooking questions, I'm happy to help you. And truly, because I think. But I also just want to be your best friend. She's like, but nothing <laughs> okay. else. Don't come to yeah, me with like, any of that other shit. Don't come to me with anything else. But I literally like, I just, if you're ever here, I just, I'm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we will, we will cook. We'll hang out. We'll do non-cooking things. It'll be great. But uh, you don't but get it's good. fancy yeah. on Thanksgiving, do you? Because I hate it when it tastes no. different. Okay, good. My favorite food, honest to God is green bean casserole Me from too. the can. Like yes. the old school French onions, green bean. Oh, yeah. That's my job at Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> it's really easy. But, so do you do, do, do you do the cut green beans or do you do the French? We green do beans? the French. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you do cut? I grew up with French. As an adult, I do cut. So I like both. So you like cut yeah. better. Do you know what? I've had to make my own fried onions because there have been times where I'm in Canada and I'm responsible for this dish and you can't always find the Frenches. Oh, yeah. So no. I've had to do homemade crispy onion. I was very proud of myself because it seems so impressive, you know, like in the flour and the buttermilk and the, yeah, you like soak it, right? And then you fry oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was impressed. <laughs> it was impressive. It was like, uh, it was like stepping up the green bean casserole. It was a big deal. We could do that too yeah. on Fast Foodies. That's not, that doesn't take too long to cook green bean casserole. No. <laughs> Honestly, the food that is most important and I feel like the food that is, you know, I, I don't cook for myself. I cook purely for other people. I, I get no joy out of cooking for a party of one. And so when I was opening my restaurant and I was living in Austin in a hotel room for two years, I ordered Uber Eats every single day, multiple times a day. And because going down to my beautiful kitchen and making myself something was just, it. nothing tastes the same. No. Nothing tastes I agree. the same. I agree. I, yeah, I much rather cook for people and then mm-hmm. I don't even want to eat it. My mom's the same way. And we're right. Italian. You know how that goes. And it's just like insanity, food everywhere. But you just don't want to eat it. You're like, no, this is for you. So basically, I would ask, hey, what do you guys want to eat? And you'd be like, okay, well, this is what I want to eat. And then that's what I would make, my version of it. And so like having a box already to cook and perform within mm-hmm. is the way to do it. Because otherwise, it's just, I don't know. Cooking for myself feels sad. And so in that case, I'd rather order Shake Shack or cook, you know, blue box mac and cheese. Right. Do yeah. you do you cook for your wife though? I do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I get joy out of cooking for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she does cook for me, but we've made a rule <laughs> uh, after many times learning. She's a great cook, but she needs a recipe that she cooks for me. If I, I'm out traveling or something, when I come home, she has something already made. So I need to be out of the kitchen. Got right. it. Yeah. Um, right. Because she would be like, so, just back off. Let me do my go thing. Away. Yeah. 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 She <laughs> she totally gets annoyed get with me. So I, I otherwise I like I'm I'm there and I'm watching. And even if I'm not saying anything, apparently sometimes 
my eyes are very judgy, I guess. And she's like, <laughs> you need to like go. And so then she, the joy is taken out of cooking for her. And so now we've kind of created that role. But yes, I do all the cooking when we're home together. Does what you're going to eat personally drive you in life like it drives us? Like this yeah. morning, it was what, 6.30, 7 in the morning. <laughs> and Rachel's like, I'm thinking about what we're going to order for lunch. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about it already. Like <laughs> that's how we relate to each other constantly yeah. is mm-hmm. based on and other people, too. I remember yeah. like at 19 years old, my friend Leah went to her family's for dinner and I was like, what'd you have? Baked spaghetti. Like, she's like, baked spaghetti. And I was like, well what was the side? And she was like, what? I'm like, was there anything on the side? And she's like, peas? And I'm like, was there a salad or bread? Or And she was like, why are you asking me all these questions? You know, that's all we want to know. It's that's food. what we want to know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Does your mind think like that? All the time. All okay, the time. <laughs> all the time. It's about what I'm going to eat, what I want to cook, what I feel like I want to do when I first get off the airplane and I get to city A or whatever. Yes, everything. There are the people that eat for life, right? Mm -hmm. They sustain their nutritional values or whatever. I don't understand it because there is no joy in that for me. And so food is joy and food is love and food is how I show other people that I care for them. It's just a different language in my world. And being able to feed someone, whether you're a guest in my restaurant and paying for it, or it's a charity thing, or if I'm cooking for someone that doesn't get food all the time. Like whatever the case may be, food is just this thing. We took three of us, right? I know you guys have known each other, but like three different people from three very different walks of life. And we all just were like, fuck yeah, green bean casserole. Like, (laughs) yes, exactly. Yes, green bean casserole. It connects people. Yeah, you're so right. Well, here, okay, I really want to know this. Do you have like an absolute favorite dish you've had somewhere, anywhere in the world, that like you'd go mm-hmm. back every day for? 100%. So the weird thing is that I can't even tell you the restaurant I went to, but I will tell you what it did for my life from the moment I had that first bite. So I was cooking a lot with my head. I was cooking at a Relais Chateau property. It was very fancy. And like, you're trying to like remain on this cusp of like always being different. And I was in Berlin for work and I sat at this table in this gorgeous restaurant, you know, tasting menu. And this one course comes up and it's steamed fish, a white fish of some kind a really silky palm puree and spinach juice or, you know, seasoned with other things. And I sat there and I remember I was like, fuck, I'm cooking all wrong. Like I'm cooking all wrong. I'm cooking with my head. I'm not cooking with, with heart and like purpose. And that just shifted the entire view of how I, how I look at food. And so now food for me is oftentimes pulling from my childhood hamburger helper, um, hostess cupcakes, different things like that. And just re-maneuvering them into a way that they don't look the same anymore. However, if you're someone from two people from LA come to my restaurant by way of Canada and sit in my restaurant and they have this gorgeous bowl of pasta and maybe you're like, wait a second, that feels familiar. And you can't put your finger on it. That's like, that's when the magic happens. Cause all of a sudden there's like this, this unspoken trust. There's a thing yes. that happens. There's you're already connected, we're in it, and now you're kind of on this journey. And I feel like those are the dishes that I like yeah. to make. And I try and I try to make. Was it the simplicity of that fish dish that kind of like triggered you? It was the simplicity, but more so it was having watched the chef prepare everything, having understood where he comes from, his background, 
And I was like, he's cooking the way he's cooking. Like this is shit that his mom used to make him when he was a kid. A piece of fish, some potatoes and some spinach. Right. And he just turned it into like this technically perfect dish, but it has so much history and like heart to it. And I was like, I've had a piece of fish with potatoes and vegetables before. Like, huh. And it just, it, it just gets your mind going. And all of a sudden, the most simple things are, I feel like, the things that connect us all, really. Absolutely. You know, the funny thing for me is anytime anybody I know is going to Paris, and they're like, what should I do? What should I see? What should... And I'm like, you have to go get this cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> the best cheeseburger. Oh, I always talk about it. The best cheeseburger I've ever had in my life is in Paris at a restaurant called Ferdy. Have you heard of this? I haven't. No. Restaurant called Ferdy. I feel like I need to write it down. You should write it down. <laughs> it's recorded too. We could, I'll text you. I'm, te- I'm oh, getting yeah. your number. I'm texting you. Um, but it is the best cheeseburger I've ever had in my life. And so anytime like, oh, Paris, we want to see the sights. We want to go shopping. And I'm like, dude, you have to go get this cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. People are always baffled by it. But I'm telling you. You when, do that with any location. Food? Yeah. Like if I'm like, I'm going to, you know, Laguna, you'll be like, okay, on the third. The butter cake at the third, Yeah. See, she's got it on deck. <laughs> butter cake at Nick's. Like. It's Wait, so what, so what's your favorite restaurants oh, in LA? Benihana is my whole-time favorite restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my last meal. Also, Soup Plantation, which, God rest its soul, is gone forever. I don't know if you've ever heard I've of it. I've never heard of it. I've never it's heard of it. It's a buffet no. place. Oh, great. Lots of variety. The best little blueberry muffins. I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm not a big buffet person. I know. Well, I'm not a big buffet person, but Soup Plantation, was it, it was a beautiful thing. But Benihana is my all-time Yes, my my last meal restaurant. A specific location one or any? Encino in the Valley where we grew up. I remember yep. before every dance, like as kids, my 16th birthday, mm. it would be that location. I took my daughter this year. We went there for her birthday. Do you get the butter? Because I actually asked them to not cook it in the butter. Because you, you need the butter. Have you? Because it gives you the runs. Yes. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't happen to me. A lot of my friends, right after Benihana, they have to run to the bathroom. Like it literally yeah. in the car. I'm like, roll down the window. I'm like, I can't breathe. Turn down the music. Don't talk to me. And then I realize if you ask for it not cooked in the butter, you don't shit your pants. I love the butter, and the butter loves me. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that was an unexpected answer that I'm very glad that you just said. It's, <laughs> it's proving the point on so much, right? Of right. Green like bean casserole. Benny Hunt. Love it. I know. But yeah. I definitely want to come to your restaurant in Austin. I have to get to, I've never Please. been to Austin though. I, I love Austin. So, but you don't even, you don't live in Austin, but you opened in Austin. I did. Yeah. So I'm based on the East Coast between New York and Connecticut. And I've always been an East Coast person. But then Austin came about and they're like, hey, do you want to like explore this thing in Austin? And I was like, fine. I've never been to Austin. I was also like, Texas, me. No, thank you. <laughs> um, and so I, I got on the airplane and I went to Austin. And I was like, shit, this place is pretty great. And I saw the old restaurant. It was like not cute. And I was like, well, this is the space. And it was just a beautiful space, amazing location. And it was like, it was time. It was time that I do it my, I guess, my own thing. Yeah. Because I stepped away from restaurants for a long time. Because I was like, fuck this. Like, my life is fine without it. Like, I don't need it. Maybe it's similar to like having a kid. You're like, why are you going to do it? And then you do it and you're like, oh, that's why. Maybe this is going to be the only one. I'm exploring other things. Would you ever consider LA? I would. If it were up to my wife, we would be living on the beach in LA. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, so, cool. So yeah. you're going to come visit us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So you have, yeah, you've got to come to Austin. It's honestly a great place. The restaurant's beautiful. Yeah. We're all best friends now. So just text me whenever you want to come. I mean, we'll that's the only reason I want to go to Austin is 
number one, your restaurant <laughs> to see you if you're there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or on the East Coast. Or or we can just, we'll meet in New York, Connecticut, yeah. LA. Sounds good. So many options. So, so, many, so many options. options. And so many things to eat along the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but no butter from Benihana because I do not for want her. you to have runs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not for you either. No, everybody should save themselves from the no, butter. I need the Wait, butter. Wait, are you lactose intolerant? No, yeah, are you? Really? You always no, get the cereal drink. burps. We talk about this. I do get the cereal burps. <laughs> if like she cereal has milk makes with her cereal burp, but I can drink cream in my coffee. I eat ice cream every single night. So I don't think I am. It just certain people. I mean, I am not one of the unfortunate ones. There's that something in it. It's not just regular butter. butter. It's like a garlic yeah. butter. With... Have you had Benihana? I had it once. The the white sauce. I like the white sauce. What was that sauce? the place? No, it's they Maybe cook it. They, they do cook have it sauce. in front they have of the you. ginger yeah. and then yeah. like the mustard-based one for dipping your seafood or your meat in. But is there a white sauce, like a mayo-based sauce? No. And my thing is, oh, I need to Benny go. Benny is where then. they cook it in front of you. Yeah, like hibachi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and they, they do the show. This, this, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> okay, I need to go. You know what's so good about somewhere like Benny Hanna and that I really appreciate in restaurants is when it tastes exactly the same every single time. That's true. Mm-hmm. And that's the consistency, consistency is like comforting. Yeah. Although the yes. salad dressing varies from location to location. What? I know. It's very tr- troubling. That's not <laughs> cool. We've gone off the rails once again. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, Kristen, thank you so much for just doing this and talking to us. I'm seriously like just blown away by you. And you're so thank impressive you. with everything. Um, but before we go, there's one thing we always do at the end of our interviews. Mm-hmm. It's fuck, Mary kill. Okay. Or if that makes you uncomfortable, Mary Berry one night stand. This was brought to, do you know what? Do you know what fuck, you Mary kill is? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it was brought to our attention that if that's a little too controversial with the fuck, aggressive. aggressive. Oh, I think, I think, that, I think it's just the kill. That's like, yeah, you're like, oh, I don't want to kill, kill anyone. Someone, but um, bury them. Like, you know, they can be buried and yeah, still yeah. live. All right. So who is it? It's Juliet Lewis. Megan Fox. And Carrie Washington. I don't know. Who, Ju, who's Julia Lewis? Oh, Rob was right. Rob, no, Rob thought no, no, she would know Juliet Lewis, oh. but not Patricia Arquette. Do you know who Patricia Arquette is? I do. Okay. Yeah. Let's okay. swap them out. Okay, swap so them we'll out. use Patricia Arquette. Megan Fox. Do okay. you know who Carrie Washington is? Yes. Okay. And Megan Fox, yeah. I would marry Carrie Washington. Same. I would bury and move to the side. Megan Fox, just because I feel like she's gotten a lot of attention recently. Like, let's let's move over. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> not for any other reason. And then I guess that would mean I have to fuck Patricia Arquette. You have to fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> and look. For the game. I mean, yeah. True romance, Patricia Arquette. Like, I'm down. It's not a penis. It's so not. It's fine. No. Oh, yeah. I'm on board, too. Yeah. Like, fully. <laughs> I would actually do the same thing. Yeah. I agree with you. Yep. Okay. Great. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Or would I fuck my I don't know. Fox? I might marry Patricia Arquette. Anyways. That would be a hard one. Yeah. I, those two are... You, it's we hard. We could swap them. We could swap. They're interchangeable. But I, I do like Carrie Washington I, a lot. She's very cool. Yeah. Very nice person. <laughs> we, they're, they're all probably really nice. They're all very, probably very nice people. I would fuck them all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right, well, thank you for being so open with us. Yes. Yeah. You're you're truly amazing and you really an inspiration are. and just straight up rad. Yeah. What's your birth sign? Thank you. Sagittarius. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I cool. like Sagittarius. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. What wait, can I ask yours? Yeah. Both of yours? I'm a Libra. Virgo. Okay. What's your wife? Aries. Oh, powerful. For sure. My mom and dad <laughs> yeah. were both Aries. My ex is an Aries. My baby daddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aries. Yeah. Aries are great people. Like, which one? I mean, yeah, depending on one? your ex. <laughs> I forget what the other one was. All right. It doesn't we'll, matter. We'll let you go. Gemini, 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 but- Gemini. Um, you're just so, I mean, I've, I've always thought you're just so fucking cool and you're even more. Well, you guys are wonderful. Aw. I, I know I don't know you as mothers and I'm sure I will one day, but like you guys are good mothers and good mothers Aww. are amazing and like the best human beings. And just like, there's, there's like a, I don't know, there's like a, there's this like feel like this thing, right? It's not the maternal instinct. It's not like this, but it's very much um, unexplainable. But both of you possess it. So Aww. thank you for having me. That's thank amazing. You for saying that. Thank That's... you so much, honestly. Right back at you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I'll see you. I'll see you at Benihana one day. That's oh, we're going. We're going. Okay. We're, we're getting the butter you. though. We're getting yeah. the butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you make her shit her pants? Oh, it's worth it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thank you, you very too. much. Bye. Let's do the time warp again. <laughs> so I have a new best friend. I don't know if she feels the same way, but that's how I feel. We have text each other numbers, and she even sent me an Ina Garden recipe. So I'm you, just gonna wait, say that we've we texted are... each other's num- numbers. Like yeah, you just like send just like now, like as we were seven. finishing, we got each other's numbers. Thirteen, twelve, eleven. Yeah, yeah. Have you used it? <laughs> Yes, I just said she, and she immediately sent me the Ina Garden recipe. For the spatchcocking, right? Yeah, it was another spatchcock chicken. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, my favorite thing about her is like how she's like, yeah, I throw together the green bean casserole at Thanksgiving because, I mean. That's my favorite. She's like one of the most talented chefs in the world. <laughs> she's like, yep, good old green bean casserole. Don't you think, though, that that's probably why people become chefs is because they have an affinity for the foods they grew up with? Probably a good guess. Yeah. What made you a foodie, Rob? Like, what was the first thing that turned you on to being an actual foodie? I think it was cooking. You cook? I don't cook as much anymore just because I don't have as much time to do it. But I like very elaborate, detailed recipe cooking. Hmm. What was, like, a go-to for you? Um... I mean, it it changed a lot. Like I've done, I cooked a lot of from Stephanie Azard's cookbook. Mm-hmm. Another Top Chef fame. She got like a five cheese apple and bacon uh, mac and cheese that I'd make for Christmas a lot. What? Wow. It's ridiculous. Um, when are you cooking for us, Rob? Yeah. I don't know. Mostly for holidays is when I cook now. Is that still your go-to, the five cheese apple mac and cheese? No, I like to mix it up. I've made that a bunch of times. Um, she's got a really good uh, Chicago winter beef stew, too, that I like Ooh. to make. Love wow. beef stew. Rachel makes a good beef stew. Beef stew is great. And you're in Chicago now, and you've kind of been doing a food tour while you're there. Yeah, I went and did Alinea on Monday. It looked very fancy. Very fancy. Very, very fancy. And then we went and did Oriole the next night, which... Okay. was somehow even better. It was another 10-course tasting menu. Are these like Michelin restaurants or what? They're yeah, Alinea's three Michelin stars. Whoa. And Oriole's two Michelin stars. Now, is Natalie as into this stuff as you are? 
Yes, but she skipped Alinea because there was a bunch of dairy on it. Oh. Um, but she came to Oriel, and they were able to accommodate her. Did you bring the baby? No, we did not. Okay. That was another reason why she skipped Alinea. She was going to just skip some dishes, but then she started looking online about people complaining one guest bring babies. Mm. That bothers me. Well, of course it does. You're a mom. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I get it. But it also bothers me. Does that make sense? That dinner, though, is like a show, though, on top of dinner. It's like Benihana, so it's perfect for kids. <laughs> but And you're paying a shitload of money, so I can see how... I, I mean, I don't care, but I can see how you have some snobby guests that are not going to appreciate a baby. Do you think that these people have kids? Probably. Illegitimate children, probably. Right. <laughs> 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 but even if I was going out to a nice dinner, you know, on a date with my husband and we didn't have our kids, I wouldn't be bothered by someone else's kid because I'd be like, yeah, I get it. But I feel like if you don't have kids, you're like, shut that thing up. There was a pregnant lady next to us at dinner and it was fine. What? <laughs> you can't hear the baby from inside. What do you even mean? Do you feel that way on airplanes, though? If you're like, let's say you are sitting in business or first class and there is a baby. Are you a person that is uncomfortable with that? This happened to us on the flight to Chicago. Uh, what? You were the person with the baby? No, no, no. Both of our kids were totally great and fine. And there was a two-year-old in the seat in front of us just screaming the whole time. Hmm. And how'd you feel? Um, I just put my headphones on and <laughs> put it louder. Um, and I mean, I I have more empathy for them because we have two kids and right. could easily have been in that same boat. I think Natalie also offered to help. Um, Aw. Breastfeed? Yeah, yeah. She just like whipped <laughs> it out. <and> was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I did help, try and help someone once, not by breastfeeding, but by offering the mom, I was like, do you want these snacks? Like, I have these snacks and these snacks. And she got offended. She got kind of upset and was like, my kid can't eat sugar or processed food. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that's pretty awful of you to do Wait, that. but now you're that mom. Like, if someone offered you something for Elliot, you're like, oh, he can't eat anything. Yeah, but I would be super nice. Right. I'd be like, that's, that's so difference. sweet. Thank you so much. She was rude? She was rude. She was like snappy. Like, and I get it now because I'm like, oh, she thinks I was just trying to shut her kid up. Like, here, take this. Oh, okay. You know, so she was kind of like snappy, like I'm doing everything I can. We've talked about this on the podcast before, the flying and the babies and the craziness. Yeah, because I said the Jessica Alba flight rules for children. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a really common thing people deal with. Yeah, absolutely. The pressure to get that baby on your boob, like plane up and plane down. I felt that so wholeheartedly every time we would fly. It was very intense. I spoke with someone recently. I saw that they were breastfeeding their child and I was like, oh, you're still breastfeeding. And I was just asking casually, the kid is four. And she said, yeah, I'm doing baby led weaning. So the baby would wean when it wants to. Mm -hmm. And she said, hopefully she'll do it before age seven. Before age seven? Yeah. Some Game of Thrones shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, though, because I'm a firm believer in, like, you know, no judgment, stigma, whatever. With breastfeeding, you do what works for you. And I do wholeheartedly believe that. But, you know, Briar was three, and people, like, look at me like, oh, you're weird, or that's crazy, you know? I mean, seven. Seven's old. That's Briar. Like, that's old. 
That's it's old. old. Yeah. I was shocked. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And she was like, there's tons of research on it. And I think she's a nurse. So she probably knows more than I do, but I was a little surprised. I think kids would probably like to do it as long as possible because it's like, what's more comforting than that? I guess. I don't know. Rob, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, seven seems a little bit old. Um, I, I don't care though. If you want to do whatever the right. fuck you want. I feel like there's a lot of judgment too with the bottles. And I went through that in the beginning with Shepard because he wouldn't breastfeed and I right. would give him a bottle and I felt like people were judging me for giving him a bottle. It's like, no matter what you do, you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. I'm always reading all that mom shaming stuff, you know? And I'm like, man, everyone's just doing the best they can trying to survive the f- fucking day. <laughs> you right. Know? And nobody knows anyone's story. Like, no one knows anyone's story. They didn't know how hard Rob fought to get into that restaurant and he wanted his wife there, but she would have to bring a baby. <laughs> or it could have been like a Benjamin Button kid that looked older <laughs> and was really like one and a half. <laughs> but doesn't eat. He's exactly. too good for the food. He's stuck up. Yeah. He's like, no. Yeah, no one knows when Chloe and Tristan conceived that surrogate baby. Exactly. Chloe and Tristan. (laughs) Well, when is it due? So, did you read about this? No, I have no idea. Who the hell are Chloe and Tristan? Okay, so Chloe Kardashian (laughs) and Tristan Thompson, right? So, Uh, he is her baby's daddy. Baby daddy. And he, I don't know, they were together and it came out that he fathered a child with another woman, but he was in a relationship with Chloe. Anyways, this just happened this past year and then just the other day in the news it came out that they are having their second child together via surrogate. Now, what I read was something like it was conceived in November and I think the other baby news came out in like December or something. So I'm thinking, I don't really know that maybe she didn't know when they had the plans or maybe she did know and she just wanted another baby. Honestly, I didn't judge for a second. I was like, I get it. She wants another kid with the dad. Like, you know? Right. What if he's a great father? He just can't keep it in his pants, but he's a really good father. He's going to be a father to her other kid anyways. And right. maybe he's a good co-parent. Who right. knows? Nobody knows. No one knows. She's carrying the baby or someone else's? No, a surrogate. A surrogate, surrogate with her eggs? Yeah. Yeah. So, her, and presumably that's, yeah, her egg and his sperm and so they're they, having another they baby. They accidentally placed it into this other woman is what you're saying (laughs) no there was another woman separate from the surrogate in their pregnancy there was another woman who had a baby from him while he and chloe were together chloe did not know this right like he cheated on her and got another woman pregnant right thank you for explaining it (laughs) so everybody's in an uproar like oh my god they're having another baby even though he cheated on her and got another woman pregnant it's like okay yeah, yeah who, my who first knows? reaction was like, <laughs> who cares? she wants another kid from the same dad. I get it. Like, you know what I mean? They're not together then is what this is also assuming? I mean, I'm presumably they're not together, but I don't know. exactly. I mean, I don't know, Chloe. <laughs> Can't call her up, but uh, I don't think they're together. But I think a lot of people's reactions are like, what the, you know, hell is she doing? And I'm like, there's so many people judge. And it's like, you don't know. You don't no, you know. you don't. So. You don't. I just have, you know empathy for her position. I have empathy for that position because it's really, you know, nobody's business what people do with their bodies. Exactly. And one more thing I want to say. 
Mm-hmm. Olivia never being like out there in this way, in this capacity, whatever, has been reading some reviews of our podcast. And when she reads them, it makes her feel really bad. Understandably so. You know, you read negative things about you. And granted, I've, you know, been around it for a little while now and I know how to ignore it. And people can be really, really mean and for no reason and judgy and mean and all of that. And now she's dealing with it. And she'll send messages that she reads, even though I told her, please stop reading any comments or reviews or messages. And now it's made her feel bad because somebody is out there being an asshole, like critiquing the way she talks, like literally how she enunciates words. And it's like, you know what, people, you don't know what goes on in someone's life. You don't know what someone's dealing with. You don't know anything and you're judging and you're doing this. And it's fucked up, man. That's just gotta say it. That's my little best friend right there. Well, you just don't know, you know, people don't know people. And I just, it's very frustrating. I watched an episode of a show called, what is it called? Mind, something that Elliot watches. Fast, fast foodies. <laughs> no, <laughs> but that's a great show. Fast that's foodies. Nice. What is it called? I don't know. It's a, it's a show for kids, and they did Brain this episode. Brainchild. Yeah. yeah, and they did an episode on social media and bullying, and how mm-hmm. if people think you're not going to see it or they're not going to be seen for doing it, that they'll say the meanest things. But if it's actually in front of someone's face, they wouldn't do that. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what happens you know, is when you go on the internet, they think that they're like just shouting at a big open hole and that there's no actual human attached to it. I'm going to stop reading the comments. You know, it's tricky though, because then there's a lot of really beautiful comments that touch my heart and soul. So I'm like, you know, and... Yeah, but you remember those bad ones more than the good ones probably. Right, that exactly. And we've talked about this. We talked about this, you know, recently. But what if, here's a question for both of you, because you've been doing this for so long. What if there's things that are actually constructive? No, but we've talked about this. And the things that you're reading are not constructive. They're just mean for mean's sake. Like, there's no point to it. There's nothing to learn from it. You know, it's just someone being an asshole. Someone will read it that doesn't have to be you that'll weed out any constructive bits. (laughs) Like Who? me or Casper oh, like, yeah, exactly. or yeah, yeah. some other people from the show. We won't let any golden ideas slip through in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because, you know, I was actually listening to a podcast today with Jeff. He's um, doing this new job and we listened to their podcast and they had this guy on, I think his name is Luke Story. It was a really good podcast. It made me never want to drink water from a filter again. Oh, But yeah. It's kind of disgusting. What do you mean? What can you elaborate on that? Oh, yeah. He was talking about how he only drinks fresh spring water. Uh-huh. And if you think about this, this is really disturbing. But that every time you drink a glass of water that's just regular water filtered, it's like thousands and thousands of people's shit and dirty heroin needles and condoms and all. It's all. Uh, this, yeah. Uh, what, are, what are the sources of this? This is just tap water? Yes. Tap water. Like tap water. And if I have a filter yeah, no attached good. to it. No good. Literally, he put in the thing where you can get your spring water. Listen to it. It's on the Next Health podcast, Luke's story. And then on Luke's story's thing, he's got like a six-hour thing on the toxins from tap water. It's disturbing. So what you're saying is, 
I need my Mountain Valley spring water delivery. There's regulations, <laughs> though, on tap water. Like, L.A. has some of the the cleanest and strictest regulations Yeah, but on it's water. still water that's filtered from people's shit. What? Yes. What do you mean? Toilet water? All of the water, even the water you're showering in and bathing in, has got tons of toxins. Rachel's going to be bathing with bottled water now. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to order it. <laughs> he gets his his delivered, like spring water delivered. I am going to do it. sounds very expensive. Yeah, that sounds great, all that plastic he's adding. Well, Mountain Valley spring water, it comes in glass, I just want to say. <laughs> I guess he delves into it for like six hours on his podcast. I haven't gone that deep, but I'm going to. Anyways, yeah. the point is, he said that he was listening to someone comment. Someone was writing mean comments to him, and they were like, I really like your podcast, but... You cuss so much that I find it offensive. And he's like, my first reaction was, fuck ah, you. Fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Right. And he's like, but then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Thank you for that. Like, maybe that is something that I can look at and grow from and yada, yada. And I was like, that's a really good way of taking criticism and using it for you rather than against you. So I'm not sure if reading negative things is just toxic or can you use it to improve upon things? It's, is that why you've had a New York accent this whole recording? You're trying to enunciate <laughs> differently? <laughs> you sound like you're from London. <laughs> yeah, no, no reading. Just don't. I'm just gonna, just don't. And if you start to... And it's I negative. promise we'll let you know the good bits if I don't okay. want to know. Don't tell me and I'm kidding. <laughs> I get the good bits. The good the, the people that give the good bits to DM really nice, beautiful messages. Oh my God, this is funny. I didn't tell you guys this. This is funny. So someone DM'd me and put spiritual psychology is not a thing with their hand over their head emoji. Uh-huh. And I got all defensive. And I was like, it is a thing. So I sent a link to my school. I know I'm not supposed to engage with people. You couldn't help but it. But I sent the link. I couldn't help it. I sent the link and I was very kind. And I was like, it actually is a study. It's really beautiful. Sent it. And she wrote back and she's like, no, no, no. I meant the spelling in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it spelled wrong. And you I are was the like, world's worst speller. And I, listen, that is negative, and I'm sorry, but you know it. I know that. I'm dyslexic. Like, I get it. I have learning disabilities. I understand. Yeah. I laughed so hard. I was like, here, I was taking it in this defensive way and painting this story, and she was actually really being kind. And then I wrote her back, and I was like, I'm actually dyslexic and did not catch that, and I really thank you. And then she was like, I want to thank you for your podcast. Like, I love Aww. the way you guys. She was totally kind, and I mistook. See that? That reminds me of the Brene Brown story about her swimming with her husband in the lake. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That stuck with me. The water's fine. Or what is For, it? Yeah. Where she had that whole story in her head that it was something negative and he didn't want to like swim with her or something. Anyway. Yes. That's what that reminds me of. I think it's the water's fine. Yeah, the water's fine. Anyway, look that up. Well, I forget what that special is called, but it was very helpful to me. Is it the power of <laughs> vulnerability? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's in one of her TED Talks. Yeah, one of her TED Talks. Green bean casserole to Brene Brown TED Talks. We ran the gamut. <laughs> Kristen's awesome. Awesome. Let's go to Austin. Let's, Let's do, it. do it. I want to go to her restaurant. I really do. Let's go in August. 
I can go in August. In August? Yeah. Let's go. That'd be fun. I love it. I love you guys. That's what I, I love. I love you. I hope that we can have Kristen on again. I also, I would like to go to a taping of Iron Chef. I mean, that sounds fun. Let's just put that out there, Kristen. Kristen, I mean, not to put any pressure, but like, can we come? <laughs> I would like to do that. Me too. I would also like to thank everybody for listening and for not criticizing meanly, if you can help it. Thank you so much. Love you. Okay, bye. <laughs>